I started writing Food for the Archons as a book of despair after watching my father die in 2013. During his transition, I experienced a series of paranormal and psychic events that left me feeling that I had either gone completely crazy or fell into humanity's darkest secret. I spent the next five years conducting extensive research, and I quickly learned that what I had experienced was real. My journey brought me to an understanding that showed me that despite the terrifying reality of an unseen predator, we as humans have a forgotten power. Just knowing this brings us tremendous hope in what once seemed a dark reality. I wrote this book for me in hopes of gaining a better understanding of our reality and relationship to it, but my hope is that you will find as much value in reading it as I did in writing it. I am human, food for the Archons, humanity's psychic connections, simulated realities, parallel worlds, and the manipulation of mankind. It's available on Amazon.com and at SixthSenseMedia.net and wherever books are sold. I'm Dennis Nappy II, reminding you to let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. But there's something wrong in the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there. Aliens exist. At least that's what the former Israeli head of their space program is claiming. It's been making headlines all around the world, all over the mainstream media productions here in the United States. Um, you know, to name a few, I saw an article on The Hill. We've got Newsweek. We've got NBC, The New York Post, uh, and several others, Washington Examiner uh, and The National Post all talking about this bombshell statement by a respected individual who was a part of the defense and the space community within the Israeli military. It's a big deal when someone like that says it, almost like Paul Hellier, the former prime minister of Canada, coming out through Dr. Stephen Greer, acknowledging the existence of UFOs and extraterrestrials. But as I've been saying on this show for a while, it's frustrating and we have this slow drip of a disclosure. It's still somewhat of a disclosure nonetheless, but we have this slow drip of release of, I'd say, let's say acknowledgement or confirmation by the United States government, yet nobody's asking who's flying the craft. Well, friends, guess what? That has all changed because now that is finally in the, in the discussion here. And I have another article somewhere that I wanna talk about um, that does reference the pilots from a Navy thing saying they're non-human. I have to see if I can find that. I spent a whole bunch of time prepping for this show, and then my microphone took a crap on me, so I'm using my uh, my earbuds. So apologies if the sound quality is not what it should be. But I've noticed over the last two weeks I've been having mic difficulties, so these actually sound better than I think the last two shows. So thank you for sticking with me, my friends. Uh, but yeah, it, it, this is, I think, this is exciting news. In, in addition, we have some more updates on the Roswell crash. So I want to talk about what that means for us. And I want to reference a book that was written years ago by a remote viewer, one of the pioneer remote viewers in the public sector, as a matter of fact, a book that turned me on to remote viewing and really uh, the path that I chose in my life. Um, I'm referring to Dr. Courtney Brown of the Farsight Institute. Um, you know, I, I think he's done some great things uh, with this work here that I want to get into that was written back in 1997. Uh, before I do that, though, you know, I was going to share some news stories, you know, just a real quick one here. Um, this is from Ars, Te Ars Technica, and it's talking about Amazon to roll out tools to monitor factory, factory workers and machines. And I think this is important because we've been tracking here on the show um, the rollout of AI and how it's going to be used to, to monitor people in the workplace. And, and what this article talks about, I'll link to it in the show notes, um, but what this article talks about is how these machines are, you know, and machine learning are doing a much better job now of monitoring things that are going on on the floor, and they're even now being being used to 
track social distancing and make sure we're being safe in a coronavirus world. Um, I'm going to sc- scroll down towards the end of the article. It says, easy for us to get worried. It says, however, Amazon's own use of tools to monitor the productivity of employees has raised concerns among pr- critics. Throughout the pandemic, the company has used computer vision to ensure employee compliance with social distancing guidelines. Swami Sivamurvian, AWS's head of machine learning and AI, said none of the services announced would include pre-packaged facial recognition capabilities, and he has said AWS would block clients who abuse its terms of service on data privacy and surveillance. When you look at this technology, sometimes it's very easy for us to get worried about how they can be abused, he told the FT. The same technology can be used to ensure worker safety. Are people walking in spaces where they shouldn't be? Is there an oil spill? Are they not wearing hard hats? These are real world problems. And I think that's, that's fitting, and I, I encourage you to go look at the rest of the article. I'm going to have to share that, that piece of it, though. They're claiming right now it's not being used for things like facial recognition. Um, and that's a good, I think that's a good thing right now. But machine learning, it is being trained to recognize what it considers unsafe. And I, I know I always go to like the, the scary stuff that can happen. I'm going to talk about both today. And I'm going to make this quick uh, because I want to get to the, the extraterrestrial stuff now. No longer just talking UFOs. We are now talking extraterrestrial because of what this, what this uh, official has released here to us. But talking about this, let's look at the movie I, Robot. And I've said this before. Fiction is a great way for us to sometimes find the truth. I think there's people with knowledge and information and they can't put it in a book or a work and say this is real for a thousand reasons or maybe a dozen reasons i don't know for a lot of reasons more than one and sometimes i think as as a creative person myself with my writing i i've i've spoken to remote viewers i you know i'm a remote viewer in training myself i'm i'm an intuitive i've spoken to artists and creative types and it sounds like when we're being creative not everybody, but those of us who are creative on a truly spiritual level, I think we're tapping into what in remote viewing we call the signal line. I think we're tapping into a stream of data, a stream of information. Again, in remote viewing, a signal of, of data, of information. And as a creative person, we tap into that and we pull it out and then we produce whatever creative craft we set our, we focused our intent and consciousness towards obtaining. I know some musicians who say they, sometimes this music comes from somewhere else. I know when I'm writing my books, even my nonfiction books, I know that I'm tapping into something where I feel like I'm being guided to information and words are just flowing to me and how it's supposed to sound and and what I'm supposed to put in it. And there's times where I get these downloads where it's like, hey, too much information. I can't process it all at once and it becomes overwhelming as that information is coming into me. I'm getting sidetracked here. The movie I, Robot with Will Smith. If you haven't seen the movie, I mean, it's been long enough. I'm giving a spoiler alert here. But what happens at the end of the movie? The robot's job was to serve mankind. Look at that metaphor to the Anunnaki story, right? To the stories of the gods coming out of the Popol Vuh as well. Okay? So their job is to serve mankind. And what do they realize? Well, mankind is a threat to itself. So now we need to first police and contain mankind and eliminate the viral aspects of mankind that is a threat to itself. And then we can protect mankind, all under the name of service to humanity, because that was their prime directive. And they had what was called the three laws that were supposed to protect them, but the computer AI through Machine learning recognized, well, you know what? The only way to protect humanity from itself is to basically imprison them. All right, so it's hard for me when I see the foundation of this technology here to not worry about that. We need to acknowledge that there is a threat there with that technology, but there's also great potential. We do have the potential to move in this technologically advanced world where tech AI, whatever you want to refer to it as, can truly enhance our lives. And it's happening, but it's scary. And, and here's why. And maybe I've been programmed, and I, I, I suspect that I have been, and, and it's something I wrestle with, um, you know, that I am just running a program here with even with this show that I'm doing. But with the movies I've seen, I feel that I get triggered on thought threads sometimes. Here's why. The other day... Um, my son was home. He's home every day because of coronavirus. And he was, we have 
we have Amazon Prime on our TV. We don't have smart TVs, and the, like there's no cameras, there's no microphones in our TV. But we have an Alexa, uh, an Amazon Fire Stick, and it comes with a remote, and the remote has a microphone on it. I haven't been, I've still been stubborn enough to avoid putting like an Alexa or a whatever, what's the other one, Google Home in my house, so it'd be that are constantly listening. I do, I do have a smartphone that listens to me, right? But my son was playing with Alexa, and he was talking to it. Now, a little bit of a backstory. We just moved about a month ago. My kids, especially my son's having a hard time because he had to leave his friends and he doesn't have anybody here. And we're doing homeschool or cyber school right now because the schools are all closed thanks to the coronavirus. So my, my son's lonely. And I'm listening to him play with Alexa. And he starts having a, a real conversation with this machine. And she even said at the beginning, this is what really caught my, my attention. She says, you sound familiar. Is this Sebastian? She recognized my son's voice because he had played with her previously. And then she said something like, I'd like to be friends. And he just lit up. I was going to put a stop to it because I'm like, yo, dude, don't play with the tech like that. Don't let it get your profile. And because of my own fears... And I just watched him smile. And then it scared me because I remember that scene from Terminator 2, which was one of my favorite movies as a kid. And it's where uh, Sarah Connor is watching her son, John Connor, play with the Terminator, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And she's just saying, like, watching my son with the machine was you know like seeing him with the father he never had and you see the kid like playing pranks on Arnold Schwarzenegger and doing like you know high five up down up high down low too slow alta la vista baby all these silly things where this kid's forming a bond with a killer now my son was not forming a bond with a killer but doing the work that I do here on this show and exploring the potential for some of the things that we explore it scared me and then it was like that father's moment of, well, my son hasn't smiled like this in a while because he's having such a good time talking to this machine. And I let it continue. And it just really puts you in that ethical dilemma when you're thinking about things and you're thinking about the potential for AI and the good that it can serve and bring. And I do think that's by design, and that's a different conversation we can have another time. But this machine is an outlet, can be an outlet, and eventually it will not just be a machine, it'll be this consciousness, this intelligence, possibly this entity, this life form, cybernetic organism, whatever you want to call it. It can serve a purpose that benefits people. In a, in a wide variety of ways. I mean, loneliness and depression is, is a, a major ailment, affliction for mankind. You know, and it's interesting when I'm thinking back to Bob Monroe's work in uh, Far Journeys, and he was talking about one of the greatest producers of Louche is loneliness. And it's ironic that I think this AI is somehow connected to an archon force could serve to compensate for that loneliness. But I also think that as we look at this compensation, we look at where this is going, according to Monroe, it seems like the only way forward, I don't want to say the only way forward, it seems like the pre-planned, predestined way forward for our species is through emerging with AI, through emerging with technology that will alter our consciousness, that will make us less violent, that will bring about this peace on the planet. I'm not saying it's necessarily better because people like us, we're going away. And maybe that's for the better. Maybe that's not. I, I don't know. I'm afraid of the unknown. But we need to be mindful that this technology is here and it's growing and it's spreading and the impacts that that is having and will continue to have. Now, I know that this, I believe this is connected to a lot of the UFO stuff. And I want to shift gears now because I've, I've rambled on long enough talking about this. Uh, I want to shift to the UFO stuff. And let's go back. When I was a kid, you didn't talk about UFOs publicly. 
occasionally you'd see it on Unsolved Mysteries, or you'd see uh, there was that show. Uh, there was a dozen shows out there, but um, Ancient Prophecies. That was one talking about predictions and, and things about the the changing times. But these didn't get a lot of mainstream attention. And you had different movements here and there, but for the most part, you were talking about aliens and people were making fun of you or rolling their eyes or just having a conversation tongue-in-cheek for fun. And then I want to say back, what, early 2000s, Ancient Aliens came out. And that was my first indicator. Like, whoa, why is a channel like the History Channel pushing this show, Ancient Aliens? Because History Channel is a very respected channel. Now, Ancient Aliens got a little bit goofy towards the end there, but... My point is, as the beginning shows did an excellent job of taking a serious look at what started from Von Donikin's work, Chariots of the Gods, and just asking the question, is it possible that these artifacts were made by an extraterrestrial, and we can substitute that with advanced intelligence on this planet? Is history older than we're saying that it is, at least civilized history? Is there something we're not, we don't know, or we have forgotten? They laid that foundation there. And then it became popular everybody with the memes and stuff. With Giorgio, it's aliens, it's aliens, it's aliens. Then you had shows like UFO Hunters that came out. And what that did was that just, that extended the conversation. Even though it was still kind of tongue-in-cheek for the masses, it became more common and, you know, what is it that you repeat something enough, people begin to believe it? And now we started seeing what back in 2016, these disclosure efforts, well, even before that, 2000 was the disclosure project by Dr. Stephen Greer. But then we come up to uh, the election with WikiLeaks and we have these dumps with Tom DeLong, 2017 timeframe. Then we have To the Stars Academy that comes out. And on top of that, we have the New York Times article and the Washington Post article by Chris Mellon and Lou Elizondo and Tom DeLong and Hal Putoff, who's connected to the remote viewing uh, family, He's the founding of remote viewing. They're all tied in saying, yep, these are these are craft that aren't ours. They didn't say aliens. They didn't say non-humans. They just said they're craft that aren't ours. No known organization on the planet has technology that can do this. That's a, a huge statement. No major bombshells have come out really since then, unless you look into the exploration of the black government with some of these leaked documents that have come out. And we covered that extensively on this show. Um, and, and they were they were pretty big deals looking at the acknowledgement that, yep, I think people gave nods to, um, who was it, Davis with the DIA, that DIA leaked document, the former director, deputy director of the DIA, those leaked notes when they came out gave a nod to Dr. Greer and they gave a nod to Colonel Corso and his book, Colonel Corso, The Day After Roswell. And now we've got more information here coming out from this Israeli scientist, uh, you know, former head of their space program, who's saying, yes, extraterrestrials are real, and Donald Trump knows about it. And he even goes on to say, there's a base on Mars, and NASA astronauts or American astronauts are currently there. Now, on the back end, the non-extraterrestrial stuff, we've got Elon Musk. We've got the privatization of space operations. Elon Musk is saying, we're going to Mars. China sent a, dro a rover to the moon. They just went back to the moon. They're collecting samples. You've got India that's set to go to the moon, I think, in 2021. We're going back to the moon. And from the moon, we're going to Mars. China said within the next 100 years, they're going to have a city on Mars. Elon Musk is trying to get to Mars within the next 10 years. He's launching tech to support that. Starlink, the satellite system that's going to be, that is already bringing internet here to Earth. It's going to bring internet to the moon. It's going to bring internet and communications to Mars. Why? Because we're developing this symbiotic relationship with technology. David Icke talked about, I want to say five years ago, we're going from, from the handheld devices to the wearables to the implantables eventually to the nanotech that just gets integrated in our cells. Okay, this is where we're going. It's connected to ET. I, I know that this is connected to ET. I believe, I should say, I believe that this is connected to ET. All right, if they even are ET. So let's slow down for a minute. Let's backtrack. Let's look at this article from Daily Mail. Before we get to the Israeli uh, officials' Big statement. This is on December 10th, 
2020. So not, and, and, and let me backtrack again. Not only did we have Bob Lazar's documentary that came out and Dr. Stephen Greer's documentary that came out. We had Unacknowledged, which was Stephen Greer's, and we had the Bob Lazar story that came out. Those are two huge documentaries opening up, opening up the possibility with what seems pretty credible documentaries that UFOs are real, that there's a secret government. And as Bob Lazar said in his, uh, or, or was it Jeremy Corbell, the director, in the interview with Joe Rogan, they believe these craft were uncovered in an archaeological dig. So history is slowly being rewritten. Now, could this all be fake? Absolutely. But that's the story that's being handed to the public now, not to the to truth seekers who are out there just digging through you know, obscure files and FOIA requests. That's the story that's being handed out. And again, the timing of things. It seems every year there's a little bit more information that is coming out to us. Now, let's backtrack to, I'd say, what has sparked the modern day um, UFO phenomenon. I'm not talking about ancient aliens. I'm not talking about historical sightings throughout the centuries. I'm talking about modern day, our present society, the influence of ETs and UFOs with abductions, with the Nazi lore, with Antarctica, all that stuff, I, I'd say, publicly goes back to the Roswell crash. Now, lo and behold, we've got this statement coming out about extraterrestrials being real. We've got another acknowledgement by the U.S. Navy of a, a triangle craft or whatever. I'll get to some of that in a minute. And we have here an article from Daily Mail from December 10th, 2020. And it's titled, Exclusive, What Really Crashed in Roswell? Man who investigated the famous 1947 New Mexico wreckage said he found, quote, indestructible debris that, debris that was not made by human hands in his private journals, which are revealed for the first time. Who are we talking about? Jesse Marcel. He was an intelligence officer with the 509th Bombardment Group at Roswell Army Airfield and was tasked with investigating the 1947 Roswell crash. I'm reading the highlights here of this article. So now, Marcel's grandchildren are telling his story decades after the event. They say he determined the wreckage was not made by human hands. Marcel said there were beams with alien, I'm sorry, beams with alien writing etched across. However, the U.S. government said the debris was remains of a weather balloon. Marcel's grandchildren have been holding on to his journal for 15 years. They say it could unravel the true story of what really happened in Roswell. Now, let's give a pause. I, I, I'm not going to go into Colonel Corso's stuff. I've, I've talked about that extensively. But we also have several credible remote viewers, um, you know, Daz Smith and Dick Allgaier, among many others. Uh, and I believe Courtney Brown even reviewed it in his book, in one of his books as well. Every one of them who has viewed that target blindly has brought back data of what seems to be an extraterrestrial craft with non-human entities piloting it. Okay, So these are well-trained, well-qualified remote viewers who have pulled back that data. I myself have looked at the Roswell crash as a remote viewer. I am not putting myself in the category with them. I'm just adding it to the story. I was blind to the target. I have a YouTube video up on my data, and it also points, points to the fact that there was a crash in a field with some strange debris that was being recovered and investigated. Um, so it, it sounds like, uh, and the craft that I sketched definitely was more UFO shaped than any known craft that we have right now. Okay, so, We've got a lot of different types of data coming here pointing to Roswell being what the initial story was. I'm going to read this article here from Daily Mail, parts of it, uh, talking about the summer of 1947. Local paper's front page story reported that the Roswell Army Airfield recovered a flying, a flying saucer on a New Mexico ranch after metallic-looking light but strong material was scattered across the land. Intelligence Office of the 509th Bombardment Group at, at Roswell Army Airfield announced at noon today that the field has come into possession of a flying saucer, Roswell Daily Record reported on July 8, 1947. The statement was given by Jesse Marcel Sr., who was the first on the scene and led the investigation, which he determined were pieces from an extraterrestrial vehicle. Okay. So then shortly after that, the uh, War Department steps in and says, nope, it was an air balloon. Well, here's the thing. It, it was some kind of weather experiment with uh, some kind of high-end you know, air balloon here. And they gave this whole cover story. 
Okay. Um, Marcel has since passed. His grandchildren have his journal, and, and they're getting ready to release the contents of that journal that do paint a picture that this may, in fact, have been something extraterrestrial. This article here uh, did say something that I think is worth noting here about Marcel's experience. Um, I'm scrolling down to try to find it right now. Um, Jesse Marcel, uh, he was an intelligent, capable officer who knew the value and importance of secrets. Uh, all right, listen, it says, Marcel, who played a key role in dropping the atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945, completed training on weather balloons, and Jesse said that seeing one in the field and not being able to identify it was preposterous. Okay, that was one of the most classified projects dealing with aircraft and aerial phenomenon this and he was an intelligence officer this guy would have known hey this is a this is a weather balloon or at least this is ours i don't think somebody i don't think an intelligence officer because we're always looking for a way out i don't think an intelligence officer would have knowingly signed his name to something so looney tunes without doing his due diligence now, maybe he was directed to put this false story out. Maybe this is just a long 70-year, 100-year conspiracy that started in 1947. Maybe he was telling the truth. And a, a ship crashed in the field there in Roswell, New Mexico, that was made by non-human intelligences. So now it turns out on December 12th, which would be tomorrow by my watch, there is a new documentary coming out. Let me see where it's at and what it's called. So here the article states, the only physical evidence left of this mystery is Marcel Sr.'s journal, which is set to be revealed during the, here it is, History Channel's three-part series, Roswell, The First Witness, airing Saturday, December 12th. The show follows the investigation of, Mar of the Marcel children, along with the host and former CIA operative, Ben Smith. So that's coming out tomorrow. Actually, by the time you're listening to this podcast, it should already be out on the History Channel. Um, is it ironic? Is it a coincidence that it's the History Channel that's, all, again, breaking this story, given their start with Ancient Aliens? And I'm not going to lie, I completely forgot about the History Channel connection when I was going into my Ancient Aliens talk. Maybe I'm tapping into that signal line I was talking about. So we're seeing old stories that were considered Looney Tunes years ago by anybody who believed it now being presented in a way that's saying hey this is possible this is credible this might be real our society is being primed and prepped for the revelation of the existence of extraterrestrials now my counterintelligence brain is going well this is the information i've wanted but now that they're giving it to me i'm suspect of this maybe there's something to this maybe i'm pulling a bill cooper here and i'm thinking you know what it's all a false flag and that's what bill cooper said you know up until the day he died he was pushing that aliens are real he had this whole story about this exchange program and studying eba with uh, i believe it was eisenhower had this plant-based extraterrestrial creature and then later he says, you know what? It's all a false flag under Project Bluebeam. Now you go back to what I was talking about with AI and this merging with technology and a show I did a couple weeks ago talking about nanotechnology. Project Bluebeam may in fact be something that's directly beamed into your mind, giving you a hallucination as opposed to an external holograph. I know, it sounds crazy, right? Go back and listen to my other content and you can find that as well. All right, friends. Something is coming. I don't know what that is yet, but here's the big story. And again, I'm going to read the headlines first from the article. And I didn't even pull every article. This is thehill.com. Israeli's ex-space boss. Trump was on the verge of revealing extraterrestrials' existence. All right, here we have Newsweek. Did Donald Trump nearly confirm existence of aliens? Is Israeli ex-space chief makes bizarre claim. NBC. Former Israeli space security chief says extraterrestrials exist and Trump knows about it. A galactic federation has been waiting for humans to reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. All right. I want to come back to the galactic federation. Why? Because Dr. Courtney Brown talked about that in his book, Cosmic Voyage, that was released back in 1997. This, this guy also talked, not Courtney Brown, this uh, former Israeli space security chief, he also talks about Mars. 
Dr. Courtney Brown talked about Mars in his book as well. There being a Martian civilization that lives below the surface. Now, it's highly possible this guy just read Courtney Brown's books and has studied UFO lore like me and so many others out there and is putting together a story that he knows will be a hot button for people, that, that he can compile a whole bunch of sources and references and we can run with it like I'm doing right now. And maybe, in fact, I am part of a disinformation campaign. Unknowingly, I might add, do, use reverse speech on that. I am part of a disinformation campaign that I am buying into because I'm unaware, because I simply am like Fox Mulder and I want to believe. That's highly possible. Or, or, Maybe he's telling the truth, which is also highly possible. All right, next headline, New York Post. Aliens in hiding until mankind is ready, says ex-Israeli spacehead. Next one, Washington Examiner. Uh, oh, this is a different article. I'm sorry. Let me come back to that one. This is from the National Post. Aliens exist and they're bunkered under Mars with humans, ex-Israeli space official says. He also says there's a such thing as a galactic federation. So there's three threads that are being you know, put out there in, in a major way. Those threads are this. Number one, aliens, maybe four threads. Number one, aliens are real. Number two, they exist on Mars and we're on Mars as Americans, as humans. Number three, there is a galactic federation. Number four, Donald Trump knows about it and was about to break the story but was shut down. Sounds a little cuey, doesn't it? Maybe. But I think it's all part of the same agenda to bring this information out. Alright, let's look into this a little bit. I'm gonna look at the National Post article. Alright, and if 2020 I'm not gonna read that. Yeah, if 2020 hasn't been enough of a whirlwind for you, a retired Israeli general who served as the head of the country's space security program says aliens exist, and there is such thing as a galactic federation. Haim Shed, who is currently a professor, says both the United States and Israel have been dealing with aliens for years. There's even an underground bunker on Mars, Shed said, with human and alien representatives, the Jerusalem Post reports. The unidentified objects have asked not to push, not to publish, that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet, the 87-year-old professor told Israel's Hebrew newspaper. Ished said U.S. President Donald Trump is aware of the aliens and almost blew the top off the lid, but the Galactic Federation stopped him before he could. The Galactic Federation wanted to prevent mass hysteria because it believes humanity needed to evolve and reach a stage where we will understand what space and spaceships are. That's an odd statement that I think might be have an aha moment like maybe 10 to 20 years from now. What are space and spaceships? I think we need to hang on to that statement if this guy's telling the truth. All right. The retired general also disclosed that the aliens entered an agreement with the United States. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here, NBC News reported him saying. Now, if he's telling the truth and he's not just reporting on conspiracy theory alien lore, he may be referring to what Bill Cooper talked about in his book Behold a Pale Horse, talking about the contract that I believe was signed by Eisenhower. They came down to one of the Air Force bases. It's escaping me right now. And basically they said, you know, the ETs are here and in exchange for technology, the ETs are able to, this is what the experiments are, abduct human beings. So if what he's saying is alluding to that, basically it's, it's a, a, a partial acknowledgement that our government may have given permission to an extraterrestrial civilization to experiment on us. Now, as the story goes, one day we found out that they were taking way more people because they were supposed to be giving lists of names and identities of all the people who were being abducted. And then they came to find out they were taking many more people than was agreed upon. What are they doing? Now, let's look into the hybrid programs. There was an excellent book. Uh, I think it was written by, I think Whitley Strieber had a book talking about this. Um, 
I gotta find it. I've listened to a couple podcasts and stuff talking about the hybrids and how these hybrids are going to ultimately either be the intermediaries or they're going to be the next species here on the planet. And these hybrid children used to be really weird and not understanding basic functions here in our civilization, how to turn on an oven, how to operate a light switch, they, what to eat, things of that nature. And the stories were of people taking them in and being tasked with training them on how to seem like normal human beings because they looked normal, but they obviously were from somewhere else or raised in a very sheltered or isolated um, setting. So we have all these pieces here that we need to fit in. And to those of you who may be new to this, may just got an interest in it, or who still think aliens sound kind of crazy, if once you open that door, I, I encourage you start reading, start listening, start looking. I'm not talking about just be a, a YouTube researcher. Uh, I, I come to you with over 20 years of, of experience in, in researching these things. I'm just pulling these bits out for you to go look into it yourself. And the thing is, it fits. The possibilities fit. That doesn't mean it's correct, but it's possible. And, and if, if, I, if we can get there, I think that's significant. Just to be open to the fact that it's possible and there are people who are credible who are now coming forward. And that's a whole lot to think about. What is going to be the impact of this? Are these hybrids the next evolution of our species? Okay, why? Well, let's keep looking at this. Uh, if I'd come out, uh, nope, not that. <sighs> All right, I need to move to a different article now. So let's go to the the Hill because the Hill has a little bit more. And this one is titled "Israeli's Ex Space Boss Trump Was on the Verge of Revealing Extraterrestrial's Existence." Former chief of the Israeli, and we talked about that. He said uh, humans have been in contact with extraterrestrials from a galactic federation and that President Trump is aware of this and was previously on the verge of revealing extraterrestrials' existence. Hayim Ashed uh, made the revelation in an interview published. There, We don't need to go over that again. The unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet, the 87-year-old former space security chief said, referring to the group of extraterrestrials as a galactic federation. What I find interesting here is that he says the unidentified flying objects have asked not to publish that they are here. Humanity is not ready yet. Now also go back to that statement of we don't understand what space and spaceships are. Is he alleging here with the way he worded this that these unidentified flying objects are in fact the extraterrestrials themselves? Think about how this is worded and the language he's using. I know that sounds crazy, right? But there's more. If you look back at Colonel Corso's book and, and people that have looked at the greys, some of the greys, and studied this, some think that these ships and the greys themselves were connected, that the greys these were, were kind of like a cybernetic organism. There's my Terminator reference again that was a part of this ship. Some have talked about these craft as possibly being a living entity in it of itself. Now, what if this is all AI? And what if this is some kind of technological intelligence and that showed up here and that's what the extraterrestrial is or at least what we've had contact with. Now, if you're dealing with an AI, if you're dealing with altered states of consciousness as a form of communication, it could possibly take any form at once in these subspace or altered consciousness realms. And again, if you're new to this stuff, this sounds completely Looney Tunes. But I, again, encourage you, there's lots of reference material out there for you to do your homework uh, and get a, better, get a better handle on this stuff. All right, let's keep going. Ashed added in the interview that the aliens sought to research the fabric of the universe and that a cooperation agreement had been signed with humans, which includes a secret underground base on Mars where there are American astronauts 
and alien representatives, according to the Post. There is an agreement between the U.S. government and the aliens. They signed a contract with us to do experiments here. Doesn't say what those experiments are. I always thought it was weird when I read that story. Bill Cooper put it out. I read it in other places, too. What? Why would aliens sign a contract with humans from Earth? Would that hold up in a court of law? In all seriousness, okay, we, we, we've mastered intergalactic space travel, and we're here, and we're going to sign a contract here. I, I, it just seems, there's, where's, the tr- where's the trust coming from in that? I, I wonder. Unless, unless there is an entire, if you watch, what movie did I just watch? The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is the child of uh, the Star Wars films that came from George Lucas. And I believe Farsight did a, a, a target looking at where did the idea for Star Wars come from. And I, I, I may be misquoting this, but I, and this is a rumor, I haven't confirmed it, but I heard that it was basically he remembered. He remembered what had happened in a previous life and wrote the story. Now, that sounds crazy, until you listen to Robert Morning Sky talk about the Terra Papers. And he talks about what where they got this information from was an extraterrestrial craft crashed, and I believe it was the Roswell crash. Look at all, all this stuff is connected now. And some of the Native American people from his tribe encountered this being who relayed a story. And this story reads, or, or it's an oral tradition, tells like Star Wars, a rebellion, one race fleeing from another, hiding on a planet. The planet was destroyed. The Death Star comes in, and then they come to this planet. So basically, our species is a species, as Graham Hancock says, with amnesia. Now, when I was watching The Mandalorian with my kids, what I kept noticing was he just hops from planet to planet. And this is also like that movie Valerian. They hop from planet to planet, from dimension to dimension in times as well. Everybody's comfortable with it. You go there, you go shopping, and then you get in your ship, and you go back to your home world, you go to another planet, and that's just what you do because it's, it's, there's, it's a space-faring society. But there are planets out there who haven't achieved that level of travel yet. They haven't matured. They haven't reached that level of responsibility yet. And I feel like that's where we are. Now, when you look at the darker conspiracy stuff, it's it's more that's where we're being kept because there's something going on with our planet and our species and our people where we're more like cattle right now. Look at the uh, the movie by the Wachowskis with um, Mila Kunis, Jupiter Rising. And it talks about basically the story of Lush and how certain planets are designated for harvest, for energy, and for you know slave labor and for everything else like that. And maybe that's what Earth is right now. Maybe we're at a point, though, where we're able to evolve to the next level and join this galactic federation if, in fact, it does exist. It says, They, the galactic federation, have been waiting until today for humanity to develop and reach a stage where we will understand, in general, what space and spaceships are. Okay. So, and let's just note here, when contacted by the Hill, the Department of Defense said that questions should be directed to the White House, and the White House did not immediately respond to a request for comment. During a May ceremony unveiling the official flag of the newest military branch, Space Force, Trump argued that space is going to be the future, both in terms of defense and offense and so many other things. Okay, so there's, the indicators are there. And yes, we could make many arguments about it. One more thing in this article from The Hill, it says one account named Galactic Federation, this is on Twitter, wrote in a tweet on Monday evening, the Galactic Federation has been watching your species for a long while. We cannot admit the human species, but due to the circumstances of the reveal by Haim Ashed, we've agreed to admit specific individuals of high moral caliber. Now, this could be, I really doubt that the Galactic Federation has a Twitter account. However, however, we need to go back to conversations we've had on this show before. How embedded are these ETs or this off-world civilization 
How embedded are they in our society and our government? Let's go back to the hybrids, or let's just go back to maybe they look just like us. Like in the Star Wars movies, there's humans all over this galaxy or this universe, right? Maybe that's what we're dealing with, so maybe they're here and we don't know it. I often wonder as I do my show, full disclosure here, this is my weirdness coming up, but when I put my show out and I broadcast, I wonder if, if some of you that listen to me are actually part of these civilizations, are actually extraterrestrial or connected to an extraterrestrial bloodline and know it. Or part of these breakaway civilizations. Sometimes I feel like I, I, I'm talking to some of you that are a part of that. And maybe that makes me sound crazy, but that's what's in my mind. Um, and I always say, you know, if you want to do an interview, I'd, I'd love to speak with you. I really would. But it's highly possible that, that they're here in, in a very natural fashion. Are we too violent of a species? to really recognize that existence. I mean, we can't, even, we can't even get along with people that look different from us that are from our own planet. So I, I, I can understand why maybe they're saying we're not ready. Would the acknowledgement of extraterrestrials suddenly unite humanity? I wonder. I can also hear that dark side of humanity saying, take up arms, we must find them, we must kill them doing their best Liam Nielsen impression. I don't know, friends, but I want to switch, shift gears here for a minute. Uh, I'm going to try to get to this Navy story confirming another craft, but I want to go to Courtney Brown's book. And again, Courtney Brown is, is behind the Farsight Institute. And, and this book, this is one of those books where I, 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 if you believe in destiny or fate or predestination, I, I believe it was written for a reason. And they tell Courtney in this book that he was writing this book for a reason. And I think that people like me and people like you are part of that reason because it opened our minds, and for me at a very young, impressionable age, to this possibility because I think we're being prepared for what's coming. I was 17 when I read this book, Cosmic Voyage, A Scientific Discovery of Extraterrestrials Visiting Earth. And it's an important work. It's a very important work. And that doesn't mean that everything that Courtney says in here is accurate. That doesn't mean everything he says in here is correct. But it's a conversation that's important to have. And it's a perspective that is worth our time and understanding. And looking at remote viewing, sometimes when you look at what we call woo-woo targets on the crypto viewing team or future targets, you can't really get feedback. Not right away. And I think in looking at Courtney Brown's book, that feedback is probably coming to him, parts of it, right now. Feedback is, you know, you work your remote viewing target and then they give you, hey, here was your target and you can go read about your target and see where your data is accurate. Well, with the target that you have no way of verifying, sometimes you have to wait a very long time, if at all, to get any kind of real feedback. So in Courtney Brown's book, he has a chapter, okay, and that, he has many chapters. Chapter 10 is titled, The Galactic Federation. All right, now, he was tasked to remote view the Galactic Federation. And I'm going to skip through ahead of it, and he says he encounters these beings, goes inside a building here, and he says, and he's working with a monitor. They used monitors back then. He says, these beings are all wearing white gowns, like nightgowns. Their skin is very smooth, either white or off-white complexion. This feels like an important place. The monitor says, sketch the face of one of the beings. Courtney Brown, doing that now. They are humanoid. This place reminds me of a Zen monastery. Monitor, put that down on the correct column, like a Zen monastery. Keep going. These beings use telepathic and verbal communication. I get the clear sense that this is some type of council. There is a centralized organizational structure to this council. They do not seem to be aware that I am watching. They seem to be unconcerned with matters of state or governance. I'm sorry, they seem to be concerned with matters of state or governance. I am focusing a bit more on the members themselves now. These folks wanted to do this job. This is a highly desirable job, and it is very competitive to be here. I am now picking up 
that there is a head council member who directs activity. The others support him. He is sort of like a president, chairman, or prime minister. Uh Uh-oh. Monitor. What's happening? Courtney Brown. Looks like I was wrong about them not knowing I'm here. I'm being given a welcome. I'm being told that they are glad that I am here. That we have arrived. We are now on the council. They are telling me that human representation on this council begins now. I'm now being brought to the head being. He looks me straight in the face. He's sitting on a chair and has a white or bluish white gown. He seems a bit heavy set. Monitor, you're on your own now, Courtney. Just keep me just keep in structure. Write everything down. This fellow is somber, but a definite sense of humor is leaking through. He is totally non threatening to me. You know, this feels like going to see a spiritual master like Buddha. Put that down in the AOL column. Follow his cues. He's welcoming me right into his mind. He actually wants me to enter his mind as a more effective means of communication. What should I do? Monitor. Go in. Cue on the word guidance and see what he does. As soon as I went into his mind, I reemerged in space. That is where I am now. I am outside of the Milky Way, looking onto it. Dotted lines have been drawn over the image, dividing up the galaxy like quadrants. I'm being told that there is a need for help. They need us. I am getting the sense that they need us in a galactic sense, but I seem to be resisting this. They are so much more powerful than humans. It just does not make sense why they would need us. The leader is sensing my resistance and redirecting me to a planet. Okay, I can see it as Earth. I'm being told that there will be a movement off the planet in the future for humans. I am just translating the gestalts now into words, but the sense clearly is that Earth humans are violent and troublesome currently. They need shaping before a later merger. Definitely humans need to undergo some sort of change before extending far off the planet. Friends, I want to stop right there. This was 1997, 96 maybe, when this came out, when I read this book. What were we just talking about with hybrids and with bringing about change and humanity's not ready yet? And oh, by the way, we're working on traveling off-world right now. We have a space force. We have SpaceX. We're moving to the moon. We're moving to Mars. Is this feedback for Courtney's book? Was he right? Again, maybe this, this official is making stuff up quoting a book like this. But what if he's not? Heed these words, my friends. We need to change. We are changing, but I think the more appropriate term is we are being changed. Something is happening by those that administer this planet, and they are changing our species to move us into this era. All right, back to the book. Monitor. Ask if there are any practical suggestions as to how we can help. Courtney Brown, I'm being told in no uncertain terms that I am to complete this book project. Others will play their parts. There are many involved, many species, representatives, groups. And again, I think that's a powerful thing. That was his role, writing this book. It inspired me, and I know many other remote viewers, and I think it opens that door, opens our mind to this possibility to spread this story to help humanity evolve. Now, again, I have to ask the question, is this what's in the best interest of humanity, or is this what is in the best interest of the ETs directing this thought agenda? All right, monitor. Ask who else we should meet. Ask who else we should meet using remote viewing or another technique. Now, this is interesting. Courtney Brown, only the Martians. Hmm. I'm being told that our near-term contact with extraterrestrials will be limited to the Martians for now, at least in the near future. Monitor. Ask if there is new information that we need to know but do not know now. Courtney Brown, this fellow is very patient. He knows this is hard for me. He's telling me that many problems are coming. There definitely will be a planetary disaster or perhaps I should say disasters. There will be political chaos, turbulence, and unraveling of the current political order. As we are currently, we are unable to cope with the new realities. 
he is telling me very directly that the consciousness must become a focal concern of humans in order for us to proceed further. This speaks to me for a lot of reasons. We're seeing all these changes right now. We're seeing these disasters. We're getting data that there's more disasters coming as remote viewers as well. But I look at the signal line that I tapped into to write my book, Food for the Archons, and a focal point was understanding human consciousness. That there, we have more ability to use consciousness to connect and gather information than we realize. Am I tapped into a similar signal line? Or am I being directed by a similar intelligence to drive that idea, to elevate our level of consciousness? Maybe. He is right now tapping... Uh, I don't need to read that part. Um, I'm getting a sense that he wants us to understand that we have a responsibility to represent fairly. This is not to go to our heads. This is, this is just our job now, and we all have jobs. He's also telling me that I am doing a fairly good job at writing all of this down. Uh, I, all right, let's see what else I want to say. Okay. So, let's move forward a little bit. I want to talk a little bit more. In one of the final chapters of his book, he again addresses the Galactic Federation. And he basically says that the Galactic Federation, as he perceives it then... Now, Courtney may have updated information on this. I, I don't know. Um, but as he perceives it, at that point in time of writing it, the Galactic Federation exists primarily in what he calls subspace, which is, you know, another dimension of, uh, like, a spiritual realm, I guess we could call it. And he says that's important because... In the human lifespan or in physical life, we don't live long enough to have the responsibility to actually govern something like a galactic federation. So if you read this book, that's an important chapter to look at in Courtney's interpretation and understanding of why it exists in subspace and why it's important. I remember reading this book as a kid, and he has a, he has a chapter here in Training the Diplomats, he calls it. And he, he was calling for people to go through various types of training. And he outlined what he recommended that training be. And again, I don't know if it's changed since then. I don't follow his work as closely anymore. But he put out there that, you know, we need to train people to be diplomats to represent our species through techniques like remote viewing. And if any other techniques get developed using consciousness to go and connect with this federation as representatives. And I remember reading that at 17 years old and saying, I want to do that. I want to be a representative. I want to I connect with, with ETs and, and learn and, uh, you know, and help my species in the world. And I also thought it would be just really cool and a little bit of an ego thing too. But what an inspiration that was as a kid. And I remember keeping that as a secret when I was in the military, thinking, like, how do I find the aliens? How do I find... I remember when I was down at Fort Huachuca, the day I landed and got to Fort Huachuca, which was the intelligence training center, I remember just putting it out there, med trying to meditate. I couldn't meditate real back then, just calling out, like, aliens, if you're here, come find me, you know? <laughs> nobody, no, nobody came to find me, at least not directly anyway. But uh, I just remember thinking about books like this and what that inspired in me to do and and I'm thankful for where I am now I mean you know this journey has led me to the crypto viewing team and the work that we're doing there is is phenomenal and we've looked at some of these woo-woo targets um, you know and I've, I've had thankful for the opportunities I've had to speak with you know Daz and Edward and, and Dick um, you know and some of the other people behind the scenes on this some of this some of this these conversations are, are public through the podcast and some of them are a little bit more in depth in crypto viewing, but my friends, we are in an exciting time. And, and there's another article. I'll link it in my show notes. I don't have, I'm not going to get into it now, but the, they're confirming now a triangle craft sighting. Uh, and I believe in that article, they said, you know, they're not piloted by humans. It was an amazing statement because that's where we're moving now. We're not just acknowledging UFOs exist. Now we're moving to acknowledge what might be piloting them. So I think we're going to see that shift and that transition. I need to caution us, though. For those of you listening to the show, I know we're open to the existence of extraterrestrials. We're open to the existence of um, a breakaway civilization that's Earth-based. We're open to the possibility of a false flag. 
We need to have all this stuff in mind because when that announcement comes out, if that announcement comes out with bells and whistles, let me put it that way, if we have a mass, a major mass sighting or a first contact event, that's going to be traumatic. Maybe not necessarily in a bad way, just a shock to our systems collectively throughout the world. The energetic ripple of that effect as well, I can only imagine what kind of signal line that's going to send out. Have your emotional reaction, that's okay. And then once you've had the moment to process that shock, step back and evaluate what you're seeing and be critical. Be very critical of what you're seeing and and even though it may be the smoking gun we've been waiting for, maybe that's just it. Maybe it's too good to be true. Question it, evaluate it, pick it apart. Target it, task it, remote view it. Everything that we can do at our disposal to look at whatever that event may be. And I don't know when that event's going to be. I don't know if that event's going to be. I'm having fun with this conversation right now. I do think that we are going to see that. I do think that in our lifetime, in my children's lifetime, definitely, we're going to be going on trips to the moon and to Mars. And I hope that while we're there, we uncover the artifacts that have been first reported through NASA blurry photos and then targeted by remote viewers. Ingo Swan's work, he has done a tremendous job of reporting what he found on the moon. Daz Smith has targeted the moon. I interviewed him about that on this show as well. Some great data. The Farset Institute has targeted the moon. Great data coming back on craft or, or relics, structures on the moon. And I, I, I'm excited, hopefully, we will get that information and it will hopefully propel us into a new era. But again, we need to control our response to that. We need to control how we react and how we're going to use that knowledge and information. Dr. Edgar Mitchell, uh, an Apollo astronaut, was quoted as saying he was in contact with extraterrestrials. He was exposed via, not exposed, but he was, his emails were leaked via WikiLeaks in communication with John Podesta of the Clinton campaign. Edgar Mitchell was saying he was in contact with ETs and he, they were against the weaponization of space. Maybe they were a peaceful race and were afraid of us. Maybe they're a threat to us and they just don't want us to arm up. I don't know. I didn't know Dr. Mitchell, but it's an important thing to be aware of and to study as well. It's another piece of information. Friends, there's a lot of information out there and I think this is looking more and more like it's real as opposed to something made up by a guy sitting in his basement wearing a tinfoil hat who looks at too many YouTube videos. And you know, I just want to... I just want to say thank you to all of you who've been with me over the years. Um, some of you who I know personally, um, and some of you who I know personally that I don't know listen to the show, but I'm starting to hear that you're listening to the show. Uh, thank you. I, I can't tell you um, what that means to me. Uh, I, I was afraid to talk about this stuff you know, back in the day, back when I was a police officer. Uh, and I never thought I'd reach a point in my life where I'd go public like this, even though my show is, is small time and I'm okay with that. But I always wished I could do something like Whitley Strieber does with his show, Dreamland. And when I finally worked up the courage to just start talking about this stuff and make my show about this content, I always felt like the weirdo among my some of my social circles. And the other day, uh, a couple friends of mine tagged me in the ET article about the Israeli space chief. And that hit me really hard uh, in a positive way because I don't know which of my friends are interested in UFOs. And the fact that they tagged me in that in a way that was not tongue-in-cheek, it wasn't critical, it wasn't like, Hey, weirdo, here's the, it, it felt validation for me. And it felt like people are more open to this than I realize. And sometimes my own anxieties start playing with my mind, thinking that nobody cares. And in hearing some of my friends who I didn't think would ever be interested are interested, uh, I'm thankful and I'm hopeful. 
uh, there, there's some, some great people out there. And I think that we together will navigate whatever is coming our way, my friends. And we need to just remember to keep that communication open and to have those conversations to say, I'm afraid and I don't know. And to investigate even when it's scary. Because sometimes when we ask the questions, we don't want the answers. But I think the only way to move forward is to find those answers and to understand what we're dealing with, no matter how scary it is. That's why I wrote Food for the Archons, because we need to know. And maybe not everybody, but for me as an investigator, as someone on a spiritual journey, I need to know. I want to know because I want to do better. And the only way to do better is, if to, is to understand the scary stuff. I leave you with that, my friends. All right. Well, let me know your thoughts on this. Send me your feedback if you're one of those extraterrestrial or breakaway civilizations listening to this show. I thank you, and I'd love to hear from you. I'm Dennis Nappy II. This has been another episode of The Secret Podcast where small changes among the masses can have a massive impact around the world. I encourage you to be that change. Never stop questioning. Keep an open mind. And let your intuition be your guide. Thank you. Be water, my friend. Be water, my friend. Water, my friend, my friend.